What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Kurt Halls, owner and founder of GribQ on the line. How are you, brother? Hey, how's it going, Robert? Good to be on here with you. Great to have you, man. First off, where did the name... Caribbean come from? I, am I even pronouncing it right? Yeah, you are actually Caribbean. Yeah, so it's a hyphen for like Caribbean barbecue. Gotcha. So my roots, I was actually born in Trinidad and grew up in St. Croix. And um, so I have that island flair, you know, a little bit of that whole, the seasonings and the stuff that kind of fall into that category. And my company started off in the barbecue space. So we kind of put it together and that was the name. Very nice. I like it. This, this podcast cannot be more fitting today because as we speak, I've got four <laughs> massive slabs of beef ribs sitting on the smoker, smoking right now. So nice. it's, it's perfect. Nice. Um, Every day is a good day to smoke meat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so bring me up to speed, man. Like, kind of talk a little bit about what got you into, um, like, you, you're on your keto journey now. So let's talk, talk about that. But I also want to talk about, like, the business and how you, you know, created Caribbean Q, what the motivation behind starting it was, and kind of some of the things you've learned in the process. So, so how it started was, um, I actually always grilled and cooked, just cooked indoors or outdoors for that matter. And I was literally on a hog hunt um, probably five years ago. And we went out and got some wild boar. But the intention was not to cook it that day. We were just going to, it was a survival class. And um, one of the guys was like, hey, let's cook the leg, the leg quarter. I'm like, oh, okay. We're supposed to let it bleed out, guys, before we do all that. And so we just went at it. But that day I happened to have a jar of seasonings that I blended. I have no idea why I brought it. And I just went in the back of my truck, pulled it out, started using it, and they said it was the best best boar they've ever had. Wow. That's 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 uh that's when you know you're on to something. Well, I guess, I guess. But um a few of the guys wanted me they're like, Hey, do you sell this stuff? I'm like, No, I just keep the jar and on the drive home I started thinking, I'm like, why don't I sell this? So that was the beginning of uh that first one is now called Calypso. And then I launched four years ago in April with Calypso, Calypso Cake, and Island Time. So all three went out four years ago, and here we are today. Fourteen products later. Fourteen products later. We're we're actually going to uh, the Caribbeans for this low carb cruise coming up next week, or I guess this week. And I'm curious. I've never been to the Caribbeans before, but I'm assuming oh, the wow. uh, the Caribbeans like. At least talking to you briefly here, there's there's quite a big barbecue scene there. I wouldn't say there's a big barbecue scene, but let's let's just face it, barbecue is just cooking over fire, right? I never barbecued growing up in the in the Caribbean, never, never once. Really, it was also one that started up here. But yeah, if you study the history of it, barbecue, barbacoa, and it goes back to when people got the cheaper cuts of meat, so they had to cook it low and slow to make it tender. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of that did start in the Caribbean and the Southeast. It's interesting, man. Like. Like smoking meat and barbecuing is like truly an art form in my mind. And when you go to different parts of the country, parts of the world for that matter, everybody's got their own flair and style towards how they do it. Like the Texas barbecue is considerably exactly. different than what you find in like Memphis, for instance. Uh-huh. Yep. You have all different regional barbecues. So you have the Texas, Carolina, you, have, you know, you have your Memphis. Um, then you have the South. Georgia's completely different than you would find in North Carolina. So, I mean... And then, of course, California, they have like Santa Maria style barbecue out there. So every region's different, but when it all comes down to it, it's just one big family that loves to cook. So, so where did you kind of get your feet wet with it? If you weren't really doing that when you were living in the Caribbeans, what was your first foray into the arts of cooking meat? I 
think it was my first house I bought and we got a grill and I started grilling out in the backyard on a gas grill for the record, everyone. I started on a gas grill. (laughs) (laughs) I got a lot of questions all the time on Instagram or Facebook, like what's the best grill or what do you cook on? And I'm like, cook on whatever you want. Cook on a manhole cover. As long as you got heat and fire, just cook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, so I started grilling and that's where I started experimenting and then reading, just kind of reading. There was no YouTube. I don't think YouTube was out when that first happened, but um, I just started buying books and reading and getting into barbecuing and then looking up YouTube videos and Googling and just trying different things. And that's when I started stepping into different flavor profiles because I was cooking so much, so many things. I was like, okay, what else can we use besides salt and pepper or garlic powder? You know, and what if we add this or what if we add a little bit of that? What if we combine these two? And that's how a lot of our flavor profiles have come up, like honey heat. It's a combination of a sweet heat, right? So you get that flavor profile there. Whereas our vegan bowl beef, that's definitely a more powerful meat type rub, mm-hmm. beef type rub. It's kind of interesting, man. Like I look at, you know, the marketplace for, you know, sauces, seasonings, rubs, and, you know, me coming from a ketogenic perspective, there's there seems to be like a big gap in the market there because there's so yeah. many spices out there, but you start looking at the labels and so many of them are just, yep. you know, soaking wet with sugars and honey exactly preservatives yeah it's nice to find you know companies such as yourself that kind of trying to tap into that ketogenic market and give us quality stuff that doesn't have the sweeteners well the cool thing about my product um and my brand for that matter was we weren't a keto product right we just happened to put real authentic ingredients out into a bottle Mm -hmm. that happened to four years later fall into that keto market so our five seasonings are completely sugar-free MSG-free, gluten-free, and there's no anti-caking agents. What an anti-caking agent is, it's a chemical you put into a seasoning or rub bottle or any kind of powder form, I guess, so it wouldn't clump up on you. Mm -hmm. And we don't put that in there. We just use 100% ingredients, real ingredients, natural ingredients. So, And we grind it up really fine. Uh, Those are all sugar-free, the five seasonings. We have one, two, three, four rubs or five rubs. And those are all under like one or two grams of sugar. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that they're, it depends how extreme one is on the keto, on the keto graph. You know what I mean? Right, right. If they use it, but we have a lot of people within the keto community that actually use pretty much all of our products. The sauces, they're not keto friendly. <laughs> There's sugar and stuff in those sauces. What's a, what made you want to start like combining different seasonings and herbs and whatnot to come up with your own line in the first place, man? Like I talked to people that, you know, wind up starting their own supplement line and they start buying all this stuff in bulk and then, you know, making these concoctions in their own kitchen until they find something that works. What was that story like for you? Um, flavor, like food is flavor, right? Like, I mean, you got to really think about this when we eat every day, it doesn't matter if you're keto, carnivore, weight watchers, just backyard cooker, we eat every day and we want to enjoy our food. And, you know, too many people go on weight loss programs or different diets and they don't have that flavor going. And for me, I just wanted to try different things. After seeing things on the rack, I was like, okay, well, that was really good. That was really good. What if I did this or that? And that's where I started blending and working with my co-packer to create the different lines. So we go from honey heat to lemon garlic, which is one of our top sellers, to jerk, a jerk seasoning, right? So you have jerk is usually a liquid marinade. We decided to make it a dry rub. And it came out incredible. By the way, jerk seasoning has 13 ingredients in it, all of which 
are natural and none of them have any chemicals. <laughs> nice, nice. It's it's a cool thing, man. There's like so many different ways to go about it and and bring a totally different flavor to the mix. Um, just just roll out some some cooking techniques, man. Like, what is your go to strategy when you're you know preparing a meal for a bunch of people? Like, what is your you know, like foolproof go to that you tend to gravitate towards? Wow, that's a great question. So if we're gonna go to the barbecue arena, um, I'd say doing a pulled pork. You can't go wrong with that pulled pork and coleslaw. You know, that's a great meal for anyone. Um, my pulled pork, I smoke it low and slowed, unwrapped to about 165. Then I wrap it, take it to 205, take it off the smoker, put it in the cooler for one hour, hour and a half and pull it. And that's been pretty much, I made a video on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and YouTube doing that method. And it's pretty much tried and true. I mean, some people may change it by a degree or two, but it's a tried and true method for pulled pork. Um, if we're having guests over a nice reverse sear steak, which is keeping the internal temp to about 130 and then smoking it to about 130 or sous vide or in the oven, however anyone chooses, and then searing it off on cast iron, getting that nice crust and you have a perfect medium rare steak. So I think it depends on what I'm doing. I mean, I also cook in the kitchen too, Robert. So <laughs> there's so many different meals that I can prepare. Man, it's, it's, um, I don't know, I, I'm definitely no chef by any means. I never claimed to be, but I love to eat food. And I love to kind of, especially when it comes to meat. Like I, like I, I get excited about cooking and learning how to cook different kinds of meat. And I can 100% attest right. to the reverse sear steak. I've been pretty much cooking that solely as far as my only way of cooking steak here lately. And it's right. like the, the, the flavor, uh, you'd lock in so many more juices with the reverse sear than mm -hmm. any other technique. I totally agree. I used to grow my steaks like everyone else does. Mm -hmm. And... Then I started doing them in cast iron only. I just cooked the second cast iron. And then I started looking up reverse searing. And, you know, that guarantees that your internal temp is where you want it to your steak preference. So if you like it medium well, go up a little bit more. If you like it really rare, take the internal temp lower to maybe 120. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm in that 130 space. And then, bam, just sear it off on cast iron in butter. Oh, <laughs> in yeah. Lots of butter. And, um, yeah, it's perfect. I love it. So going back to the the pulled pork that you're doing, are you uh -huh. actually, let's just talk about like picking out your meat your meats in general? Are you looking for anything specific when you're going to the butcher shop to to grab your your pork butt or whatever it is you're cooking that day? Are you looking for anything specific? Yeah. So on Boston butts, you just want to look for <laughs> it's going to sound crazy, just a nice big butt, a really nice <laughs> large cut, <laughs> right? Because sometimes you get these smaller four to five pound butts. Mm -hmm. And by the time you smoke that and the fat disappears, you're left with what, maybe a pound or two of pork, and that's not good for anybody. So right. nice large cut. You want to have fat on there. It's it's a pork butt. You want to have a, some nice fat on there. I don't trim fat off of my pork butt. Um, I leave it all on there. I actually do inject sometimes with a little injection marinade that may be coming on the market soon. We won't nice. say anything about that. <laughs> and um Season the outside. I tend to use honey heat, but I've used AP on all-purpose rub on my pork butt too. And I just put it in the fridge for the day before, wrap it up, stick it in the fridge. And then you want to take it out. This is a huge thing that I think people don't realize. When you're cooking meat on a smoker or on the grill or even in your kitchen for that matter, let your meat get to room temperature before you put it near a heat source. Mm-hmm. Um, it tends to tighten up and that's going to just completely mess up your cook. So bring all your meat to room temperature before you put it onto your heat source, people. That's huge, especially steaks. 
Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, and I usually smoke it at 225. You know, I don't, some people's smokers are different. They're different brands or different sizes. 225, I've seen people do it higher and faster, but usually I go 225 once my port gets to the internal temp of 165. I wrap it. I can either put it in a pan and wrap the pan with the pork butt in there, or you can double wrap it. Add some apple juice or whatever kind of liquid you want to use. Let it get up to 205 to the internal temp. But what's happening is it's breaking down all the collagen. That's where you're getting that pulled effect. It's kind of more smoking and steaming in that pan or in that foil. And then once you get to 205, this is the step that a lot of people don't do is they don't put it in the cooler. Mm-hmm. In a cooler, I put a towel on the bottom, towel on top, put the pork butt in there and let it rest for at least an hour minimum, two hours better. And that's when the magic happens. It's getting to that optimal temperature and you just want to pull it and you get that nice stringy pull on there and that clean bone pull too. Speaking of letting the, the collagen separate, I think that's a huge step that a lot of people mess up because I, I just cooked a... Um... A brisket. I tried cooking brisket for the first time, and I totally screwed it up. It was it was good, but it wasn't like it should have been. Mm-hmm. It was just too chewy, and I'm assuming that's because I, I probably just rushed it, I guess. I didn't let the collagen break apart. Well, I have this thing that I call brisket insurance because I don't care where you live. Brisket is an expensive cut of meat, mm-hmm. and I always pretty much eh, – let me not say always. I'd say 85 to 90% of the time, I inject my brisket with beef broth. Mm. And I call that brisket insurance. That way you're not going to dry it out. Um, because if you're going to spend 100 bucks on a cut of brisket, you better get that thing nice and injected in there. So I do that. And the brisket controversy, that I won't even open the door to. There's a million ways to cook brisket. You know, old schoolers will just do it and not wrap it at all. Some people will wrap. Some people do it in fo- in uh, foil. Some people wrap in paper. I just say, cook your brisket. <laughs> but definitely, you know, choose your method of how you want to cook it and do it that way. But I just believe in the brisket insurance, which is beef broth injection. I've never heard of that before. That's an ingenious idea, though. It's going to save you money. <laughs> that makes sense. And I you get- can use bone broth. You can use bone, like if you're going to be picky or choosy about what you're injecting in there the good thing is you can pick that i definitely say go with something lower sodium mm-hmm. because you're already going to have that rub on the outside yeah it's a good point a good so point. you don't you want a, your brisket to be salty do you have a preferred type of bone broth there's so many brands out there now there's a lot of brands out there um i just say find one that a you can afford because some bone broths get really expensive if you mm-hmm. really start looking at them um and the more expensive they get the smaller the container i've noticed um, I would just look at a really, there's a couple brands out there that are nationally known. Just look at a good, look for a good beef bone broth and use that or beef broth. It doesn't have to be beef bone broth. There's various ways, there are various, uh, brands out there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I've got, um, I've got ribs on the smoker right now. Everybody likes pork ribs. Mm. Here in Arkansas. Pork ribs is like the only way to eat ribs here, but I'm a huge fan of beef ribs. So I, I, I love and, beef ribs, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's like nothing like it. Oh, it's just like a big old meat lollipop, right? I mean, it's yeah. incredible. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we got those smoking right now. I'm probably going to wrap some. How, you, how wrap. are you doing them? I'm doing it super simple, man. I, I got them just drenched in this seasoning. I didn't have your seasoning, so I had to use another seasoning rub. And um, I've got them. I'm just drenched in it's that. It's on the way. It's on the way, Robert. <laughs> I'm excited to give it a try, man. And I'm just cooking it for like at 225 for eight or nine hours until it's ready to eat. There you go. That's going to be all she wrote, man. That's how I do mine. I don't wrap my beef ribs. 
Mm-hmm. I let it go low and slow because they cook. I mean, it's a really, the, the cut is so cool that if you just go low and slow, they'll tell you when they're done. They start pulling up, the bone starts getting longer and longer. Yeah, And exactly. you're left with, you do lose a lot of air quote beef, but you're getting the good part, right? What's left. And that's, that's that nice, fatty, just unctuous cut of meat. That's just oh, so, it, good. so good. So good. You got you got to be you got to be cooking something right. This is Memorial Day, so surely you got something on the smoker right now. You know, believe it or not, I'm going to be doing some skirt steak later, and I'm thinking about doing some skirt steak fajitas. Nothing crazy today. I cook, I cook at least, oh my gosh, eight times a week because not only am I cooking for videos, but I cook for writing recipes for my website mm-hmm. and for Instagram and Facebook or what have you. So I cook so much. <laughs> That even on some days, it's funny when it's a big barbecue day. This kicks off summer today, right? And thank you, by the way. Today's Memorial Day for not putting it up live today to all the veterans that are, have served and are serving our country. Thank you very much. But, um, yeah, I'm just keeping it simple today. So what about um, like with, with you doing this like for content creation for all your different platforms? What what have you found works really well? Like what what is the bulk of your community gravitate towards as far as content? Like are they getting more, you know, hyped up about this big slab of meat you've got on the smoker or something simpler? So it's been that's a great question, Robert. Um, it's been a combination. So lately I've been doing these slide swipe videos where it's like maybe six or seven video uh short videos taking you through a process of a recipe. I've got a lot of feedback on that. I've also done one minute videos. Um, if they go back through my videos or go to YouTube under Caribbean Q, we will show like that pulled pork 101. I did that in a one minute video. And I think a lot of the followers and people that follow me just really enjoy the simplicity mm-hmm. of learning how to do something in under one minute. And we also started doing five ingredient or less videos because when you really think about it, Robert, if you open up a recipe and you see 13 ingredients, the likelihood of you doing that is probably slim to none, and the likelihood of you having all those ingredients at home are slim to none, too. Totally agree. I think if it's got more than five ingredients, more often than none, it's just a waste of my time. Exactly. And I have this, I'm busy, we're all busy. And also, you know, if you want to tie in keto or carnivore, what have you, the lesser number of ingredients, the easier it is to probably adhere to your program. Mm-hmm. And that's a really big thing that I found. Like, I think the biggest one we've did that was a hit was the beef roll-ups, where you just took that skirt steak, you put some whatever, cream cheese and asparagus, or you do the peppers and onions, roll it up, sear it off on the sides, stick it in the oven, and you're done. It literally takes 10 minutes. Literally takes 10 minutes. When when it comes to, like, different cooking methods, what are your preferred options? Like, I know you're probably well-versed in all different kinds of methods, but, I mean... I, like as far as like sous vide goes, oven, you know, stovetop, smoking, grilling. Like, what are your what are your preferred mm. options? I think people are going to fall over when I say this. I've never sous vide in my life. I have tons of friends that do, and I respect the art of sous vide. I just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I don't like it. I just never done it. Um, so I would say my preferred method. I love using cast iron inside and outside. Um, love cast iron. So I would say probably. Number one, using my big green egg. I love being able to smoke, grill. I've, you know, I've baked bread on there before. Um, and I can use my cast iron skillets out there. So I'd say my big green egg smoker slash grill and then inside in the kitchen. Um, pretty good in there too. 
It's interesting, man. I, I'm a huge fan of cast iron. My dad and I, I mean, the whole family has just been a fan of cast iron. Dad does all those cooking with cast iron, basically. And you see, like, I feel like that's kind of a dying art almost. You don't see people using cast iron that much. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, right? There was a time when a family member would get cast iron as a heirloom gift because yeah. your great, 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 great had it in the family. And they can last forever. I think they will be around even after time ends. There'll be piles of cast iron around. The thing is, I think because people get a little bit intimidated by the care of cast iron, because yeah. even I have had my cast iron rust on me overnight. It doesn't rust overnight, but you get spots on there. And it's just easy. I mean, if you use your cast iron skillet, make sure you clean it up really well and then season it again after you're done, right? Just get some vegetable oil, whatever you're going to use, wipe it down, get it going. I stick it in the oven for about 10, 20 minutes on a high heat. Just take it out and use it again. And you can go two or three uses without doing that, but I don't think people realize that you can re-season your cast iron and get it back to what, uh, what kind of oil or grease do you use to season it? Um, honestly, there's so many, and there's a couple companies that make bars that they can use. I think one of them's um, Crispy's Puck, where he has a bar that you can use, and there's other. Um, but I just use regular oil, if I have it, vegetable oil that's laying around. It's mm -hmm. cheap, and I'm not, I'm not ingesting it. I'm just putting it in there to keep it nice and seasoned up. Just took it back in the oven. Some people believe in grapeseed oil. There's all kinds of theories out there. As long as you're cleaning it afterwards, that's all that matters. Cast iron's very, very resilient. Yeah, it definitely is. I've noticed that the the quality of the cast iron's kind of decreased over the years too. Like used to, you can get cast iron and be just like super smooth, and now it's kind of more pitted when you buy it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of lodge i'm just gonna say it. they're not paying me to say this i buy my i've got like 30 pieces of cast iron so but i buy mine i like lodge um there are a couple other brands out there that are higher end um and there's others that are walmart's making cast iron now so i mean you can walk into walmart right now and get a 12 inch cast iron skillet for 12 bucks yeah shoot they sell lodge at walmart now i think too <laughs> yeah they do actually they do they do i get mine from walmart and or target but um and I'm banned from getting any more cast iron. I li literally have cast iron that I've never used. I have like a 21-inch round rubber. I don't know what I'm ever going to use that for, but maybe paella. But I just, it's huge. Well, it's kind of like a decoration now. <laughs> At that point, yeah, I decorated my garage. <laughs> I think cast iron is so underrated because you can do anything in cast iron. You can bake bread. You can make cobblers. You can... um sear a steak <laughs> you can do cinnamon rolls whatever you're into i'm not sure what everyone needs whatever but whatever you're in you can do salmon in there and it's just easy i think every house needs to have it completely agree what about uh other types of of food man are you are you mostly kind of gravitating towards beef and pork or do you cook a lot of fish as well oh no 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 so we, we um me the family we eat everything so salmon all seafood. I have severe sea shellfish allergies, but I oh. still have to cook food for the family. So, um, pork, uh, beef, chicken. Uh, what else do we do? I do a lot. I love like wild boar, making recipes with wild boar. Um, of course, your seafood. Yeah, we, pretty much if it's edible, I'll cook it. <laughs> if it's edible, I'll cook it. I have people that go hunting, they bring me gator tail. They, cause we live in Florida. So, there's gator hunting season here. So, uh, yeah, we've done it all. You do a lot of Oregon meats or anything like that? Yes and no. So I've gotten elk. 
I've gotten, I've received um, elk and bison in the mail. I need to do more wild game. Mm-hmm. I do venison and boar right now, and I've had other wild game, and it's delicious. And I like the fact that you can add fat to it if you want to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you get some venison and just want to get some bacon and grind it in there, and you can grind your venison and your bacon and have a nice fatty venison burger. Yeah, you can't beat venison. Because venison, we all know, is lean, very lean. Yeah, I've been, I don't know, I'm going to try and, uh, like, I, I go hunting every year, and I, I normally do pretty well with the venison, but I need to find some good way to fatten it up and make it measurable because it's kind of hard to track the macros on it if you're not, you know, doing something that's pretty consistent and repeatable. So I think grinding up some kind of fat source and there's the way to go. So we can touch on that. I mean, if you're going to have that sort of, first of all, get it in ground, right? Unless you're going to have your venison, let's just take venison, you have the, the back strap. The best way I can tell you to add fat to that is wrap it in bacon mm-hmm. and cook it that way. If you have it in ground, um, Either at the butchers, you can tell them to add extra, I think it's fat back, they call it, some kind of extra fat or bacon to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a little, little grinder here, a Cabela's grinder. So I just do it there and I add it myself after I have it. Um, but yeah, venison's tricky because it is so lean. You're going to have to add the fat by either wrapping bacon around it or grinding the bacon or the fat into it. Um, it's easier with, like, say, ground bison or ground elk. Though it's lean, you can add other things to it. Um, like I said, bacon, fat back, um, extra butter, if you will. Mm-hmm. All that helps out when you're cooking with um, a lean type cut. And I'm going to be learning more about that. I'm going to be heading out because I work with a ranch out in Montana, Felton Angus Beef. And I want to head out there um, and do some hunting, get some big wild game. <laughs> That's and really it, learn from them out there. Yeah, yeah, right? Like got a buddy named mike he lives out in nevada he just hunts all the time and um love he's on instagram group his name's actually grilling hunter and i really enjoy watching him cook um uh, on his page because i got so many great ideas from him i had a zach griffith on my podcast he's a big time bow hunter and what he does is once he kills the the animal he'll go up there and he'll he'll basically skin it out and 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 gut it out and he'll take all the the edible organs so basically everything really right and then he'll put it all in a nose bag nose to tail and, huh yeah nose to tail and then when he when he takes it to his butcher who's he know, who he knows personally so he knows he's doing it right he'll just have him grind right. all the organ meats up with everything else so it's all just he'll make little patties out of it with all the all That's the meat awesome. all the organs everything and it's good for you it's good for you organ meat is really good for you i mean and, and when you grind it up that fun and you're doing it like burgers or meatloaf or whatever you really can't tell. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. You honestly can't tell. I think a lot of people have a block with wild game. They think, oh, this big animal is walking out in the woods. It can't taste good. No, it tastes great. And technically, that's what our ancestors ate anyway. Yeah, it tastes great. And I mean, you look at like the nutritional density of it, and you people are all high and mighty on their grass-fed, grass-finished beef, which is great. You know, by all means, get that mm-hmm. in. But I mean, that doesn't come close to the nutritional profile of, you know, truly wild game meat. See, and I have to stay kind of neutral on that topic because <laughs> I get in the middle. And being a brand, I have to be careful what I say. But I say if you can get grass-fed, grass-finished, good for you. If you can afford it, that's awesome. Um, there's a lot of quality beef out there that is not necessarily grass-fed or grass-finished, especially yeah. our wild animals that are running out there, you know? So that's just me, though. I totally agree with you. I think that that's what a lot of people get into with all these programs and ways of eating is they get caught up in the pricing and the 
quality. Of course, you want good quality stuff. But listen, grass-fed, grass-finished, it's expensive. And if that's going to stop someone from going into a way of eating that's good for them, that's not that's not optimal. You want to still get that ground beef or that ground whatever from wherever, as long as it's decent quality. I always tell people, you know, get the best quality that you can reasonably afford. I mean, obviously, putting it on a priority is is key. You know, spend your money on food as opposed to, you know, something ridiculous that you don't need. But there's no need in talking yourself out of a good thing simply because you can't afford a certain cut of meat by any means. I agree totally. And that's what a good coach like yourself would tell you, you know, get what you can afford. That's quality. Definitely. Definitely. So talk to me a little bit about your nutritional journey, man. Like you're dabbling in keto now. Just bring me up to speed on that. Yeah. So it's been a couple of years. You know, I've had my ups and downs. Um, all excuses, whatever I'm going to say now, it's just one big excuse to everyone that's helped me out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my journey began, I am pre was pre-diabetic, had sleep apnea, big boy, still a big boy. Um, but I just found that for myself, keto was amazing. And then I met Dr. Baker and we started talking and, um, I dabbled with carnivore and ah, the first time I did it, it was like, and I'm not t- saying this for people to think they're going to lose a pound a day, but for me, it was like, I kept losing a pound a day. Um, within five to seven days, the aches, the pains, the joint, the inflammation was like disappearing rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was simple, right? It's carnivore, meat, butter, eggs, and cheese. If you want to have the dairy. I know some people don't like the dairy in there. And then if you're going to go extreme carnivore, meat and water. I was never extreme carnivore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not just the meat and water. I would have, you know, my water, yes, um, meat, but I would have eggs. Not every day, but I'd have eggs. I'd have bacon. Um, I never did pork when I was doing it last year. No, I didn't do pork that much. But yeah, it, it was just simple and you knew what you had to do. Then when you combine intermittent fasting with it, sometimes it was just be, it would just be one meal a day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes it would be two within that four hour feeding window if you're doing 24 or if you're doing 18, six or 16, eight. Um, it just became easier and easier. But of course, what I do for a living and I'm cooking all the time and picking on this, picking on that, I kind of find my way off track. So back on the track, getting back on the train. And for me, I think if I had to put a label on it, I would be keto carnivore because I do like mushrooms. I do like asparagus. Um, I have found, and I do agree with the studies that say some plant life vegetables are inflammatory. And the only reason I know that is when I eliminated all of them for over three months, when I came back to certain vegetables, I felt that inflammation or that bloat. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I feel like, you know, I think carnivore's got a, a great place. I mean, it's it's great for just eliminating all the other, you know, stuff out of your diet so you can kind of figure out what your body's responding to and why and then kind of, you know, wipe the slate clean and form a baseline and adjust from there. Um, I'm not like a diehard carnivore in the sense that that's all I eat, that's all I promote, that's all I would recommend. No, right? no, definitely not. I tell people, get your veggies in if you want your veggies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Get it in there, you know. And there's so many, so many different things that are proven to be nutritionally sound and beneficial. Like, like mushrooms is a perfect example. Like I love mushrooms. I incorporate them whenever I can. And a good smoked mushroom, like as a, as an addition to the meat course. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to beat that combo. Yes. I'll get mushrooms, put them in cast iron, cast iron skillet folks, and just 
slab of butter in there and like some some seasoning and just have the mushrooms and the butter and there's nothing better. Just an amazing taste. Absolutely. Just an amazing taste. I'll take island thyme, butter, and mushrooms. Boom. Done. That's all you need. Delicious man. side dish. Yeah. Do you do you notice any kind of adverse response from cheese? Like when you played around with that, did that have a negative impact on you? If it's one hundred percent hard cheese off the block or sliced prepackaged off the block, no adverse reactions. Any other type of cheese? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, but if it's a hundred percent hard cheese off the block or sliced off the block in a package, no adverse reactions at all. Well, speaking of what you were touching on earlier about anti-caking agents, a lot of people don't realize this, but a lot of the pre-shredded cheeses that you buy in a bag, I mean, it's just plumb full of anti-caking agents. Yes. And I've heard that there's been like likened to some stuff that I probably shouldn't say on this podcast, but some pretty hardcore chemicals they put in shredded cheese. Yeah. Yeah. So get you a shredder. <laughs> get you a shredder. <laughs> exactly. I uh, I played around with my cheese intake for a while because I I had several clients that were sensitive to to just typical you know traditional dairy and they started experimenting with goat based cheeses and I'm like well shoot I'll give it a shot too and I tell you man there's some goat based cheeses out there that are better than any any traditional you know cow based dairy that I've ever had yeah there's there's try that out I've never I think I've had goat cheese at a couple parties Mm -hmm. um because I actually know a goat farmer here locally. And he had a party one time just pairing cheeses with some other stuff. And it was good. Very creamy. Mm-hmm. Very creamy cheese. Very creamy. So what kind of advice do you have for people that are out there that are thinking about keto or carnivore and or maybe have done it and stumbled? Or like, what do you tell your 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 clients about it? About the keto world? Let me stop saying carnivore, the keto world. Yeah, I mean, I look at carnivore as just a subset of keto. Like, I don't look at it as two different things. I look at, yeah, just a subset. Um, so, I mean, like I can speak to to you just to kind of give this more frame of reference here. But like if you approach me and we're like, hey, I, I want to get on this lifestyle. I don't know what to do. I mean, you've got an interesting situation that, you know, you make a living with your your cooking, your demonstrations, your content creation. I mean, this is the world you're you're in. So it's yeah. kind of hard to juggle that, um, you know, and be very strict, uh, you know, ketogenic. But it's tough. It's yeah. tough. I mean, what, with just just to kind of dig a little deeper with you, what's the biggest challenge? Like, what what's going on in your life that makes you most likely to kind of veer off path? It's a constant. So not only do I run Caribbean, I actually have a day career of twenty six years as a corporate recruiter too. Mm-hmm. So I have both that I juggle. Um, I would think that I taking the time to stop and be mindful and um, be more mindful about what I'm putting into my mouth because sometimes when you're shooting a video or you are working on a recipe, I that's why I started going down to five ingredients or less because I had found myself doing all these things and then you're actually literally mindlessly munching mm-hmm. while you're shooting the video, writing the recipe or creating the content because technically I can't put something out if I haven't tasted it. Yeah, that's right. True. Like how am I gonna put out a recipe for someone or for an audience if I haven't tasted it. So what I've been doing lately to help me with that is I've gone to the five ingredient or less. I don't do a lot of sides anymore. That was a big thing. When you have people that are cooking a protein, they need a side with it. So what I did was I started mixing vegetables and meat and using the veggies as the side versus the veggies as another part of the dish with another side that's a carb. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, definitely. I, I don't hardly eat any sides these days because I just have the main course <laughs> and I focus on that, you know? And it's up to me because for what for the space that I'm in, I came to this realization last November. Are we a barbecue company? Yes, we are. We started in the barbecue community, but we've grown out and grown into a wider niche and different verticals. So you have we have everyone from diabetics, okay, and that's one uh, that's a whole different way of cooking. So we have our diabetics, we have um, bodybuilders, we have fitness models, we have just hunters that want to stay in shape. You know, we have keto, we have carnivore. So for me. I started cooking for the entire audience and what satisfies everything? Meat and veggies. Because everyone eats those and no matter what lifestyle you're living. And that's why I started kind of pushing it back that way. Yeah. So a lot of people, I mean, I've got a couple videos out there with sides. Um, but I leave that up to each, you know, and most families have their sides that they love as traditions or whatever they use. So I just kind of keep it to the meat and the veggie side of it lately, lately. And honestly, if the meat's that good, man, I mean, nobody's going for the sides anyway, so you got the meat. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I I really feel that um, when you put out that content, it also helps me as well and my family um, as far as staying on track. Yeah, to answer your question about what I would recommend, I, I've thought about this a lot lately, and I think, like, I look at my life, and I've been able to sustain, you know, strict keto for five years now without any negative you know, adverse response or any yeah, you're desire. <laughs> well, I think a lot of, I mean, it, it is all mindset. Like it all goes back to mindset. So I've got a few things that I have a very, very strict line on where I just do not cross no matter what. And there's other things that I am very lax on. So you have to kind of pick and choose your battles as to what those are. For instance. What are your do not cross lines? I just don't eat carbs. Like I don't, I'll have trace carbs that are in veggies, but I don't have, like when it comes to, you know, carbohydrate-based foods like your potatoes, your rolls, your breads, your rice. Like, I just don't even try it. Like, I don't do it. I don't cross that line, period. Like, I, I know what I can put in my body that's going to make me feel good and perform well versus what doesn't. And for me, it's just not worth going on the other side of that line. So I just don't cross. That's like one of my very non-negotiable points. But with other things like you know, the, the consistency of my macronutrient tracking, for instance, like when I'm in an off season, like I am now, if I've got a lot going on, if, you know, life is crazy, I'm not going to beat myself up if I'm not tracking macros to the T every single day. Like I haven't tracked macros for myself in a while now. Is that because, you know, you have that, that limit, that line that you're not going to cross. So, you know, you're not going to have to, you're not going to sway too much in your weight. Yeah, exactly. Like if I was eating a bunch of carbs crossing that hard line, then it'd be much more important for me to be you know on top of what my actual consumption is but since i'm not i've got more liberty other areas um mm, okay and since i mean like that goes back and forth like if i'm in a contest prep you know i've got a very specific goal in my mind with a with a timeline i'm tracking everything to the t so i've got times i've got periods of my life where i'm very on and then periods of my life where i'm much more lax and that is that gives me a big psychological break and it makes it more sustainable for the long haul which is why i feel I've never once been tempted by carbs. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I, I know what worked well for me, right. and I just continue to do that. That's awesome. But it's 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 a process, man. It's, it's taken me years to kind of reach that that level of just understanding and self awareness, you know. So everybody's kind of go through, kind of go through that own journey on their own accord. 
That's cool. That's cool. I think a lot of people were, um, cause it was technically we've been dabbling with mixing the branding, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm like, okay, we have most of our barbecue audience and eh, I'm not going to say everyone doesn't care about what they eat, but majority of people, we're just barbecue. We eat what we eat. And then I had the other side, right? Of my health and fitness squad, if you will, that love the seasonings. And it was a slow drip from last October to merge the two into one page. Because at one time, I started a separate company called Fit Flavor Seasonings because I didn't want the two worlds to collide. And I didn't think the two worlds would collide well. Mm -hmm. And after about three months of serving two masters, I was like, this is crazy. Why don't I just focus on the good in Caribbean? instead of making this whole other product. So starting last October, November, we just started having, I just started asking the people that had already used it. Some were fitness models, some were keto guys and girls, men and women, I should say, um, just different lifestyles. And Dr. Baker came in and some other names, Logan and Jason Whitrock, just a bunch of other people. And it was almost like just a campaign, if you will, to say, hey, if you eat food, we've got flavor. And by the way, a lot of it sugar-free, low sodium, no MSG. And I'd say from November till now, I think we've successfully merged the two and they can cohabitate together on the same page <laughs> without offending anyone else. That's the way to do it, man. I mean, people are a fan of flavor no matter what diet they're adhering to. So if you've got the flavor and you can just take the guesswork out of whether or not it's healthy, I mean, you're winning all around. Exactly, exactly. Even like, I've got a buddy up in New Jersey, Matt, his page is Gorkboards Barbecue on Instagram. You know, he does a lot of catering and fundraising and he's up in the Northeast. When you think Northeast, you don't really think barbecue. You just think, you know, you just don't think barbecue up there. But he's been using our product out there and like, he's got a really good following up there. People that just love the flavor profile. And he's like, Kurt, I'm not going to even switch what I'm doing because it's working. Mm-hmm. And I know it's healthy. He's a teacher. He's a PE teacher as well. So for him, he's always thinking about the health benefits behind what he's cooking as well. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's huge, man. It's huge. Yeah. Well, bring it back to the business, man. Like, what are some? So, how, how many years have you been in business now, total? So April first or second was my fourth year in business. Since being on, yeah, fourth year since. I launched the website and opened up. And and what are some, I, I love getting some of the behind the scenes on business, man, because I'm, wow. I live and breathe business. It's, it's, it's one of my passions, just as much as health, nutrition, and fitness. But what are, what are mm-hmm. some things that you've learned that could be applicable to anybody that might be listening? And what are some of the biggest hurdles you've had to jump? Okay. So this is a multi-layered um, answer here. First of all, I don't sleep. I mean, I do sleep, but, even with my day job. So let's say I get home with that well, I work from home. So I get done around five or six. I'll chill out, even take a nap sometimes. And I call it the, the night shift where I am up grinding from 11 to like two or three in the morning. And I've had many conversations, many DMs. It does go down in the DMs, y'all. I'm telling you what, <laughs> it all goes down in the DMs. I've had many conversations and deals and things happen at two, three in the morning over DM because we're in different time zones. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is this, um, do not just assume because you have a product, you have an Instagram account or a Facebook account and a website that you're going to sell. There's a lot, a lot of marketing that goes in, a lot of hitting the ground. So I live in Florida. 
the first two and a half, three years, I would travel the Southeast. I'd do demos for free, cook for free. There's a thing called an egg fest. I'd go enter those just to get your name out, just to see people like, okay, I can't pronounce this guy's name, the company, <laughs> but stuff tastes good. I did a lot of that groundwork mm-hmm. for three and a half, four years. The other thing I did was really, if you're going to be on social media, you have to engage with your audience. You have to engage and you have to follow, like their um, stuff, comment on their cooks. And a big thing that I do is I repost anyone that uses my product that took the time to spend a dollar on me. I'm going to repost their pictures, repost their cooks and thank them for doing that. So a lot of that was um, this hard work, dedication, um, Oh, there's drama. Every genre has drama. We're not going to escape that. If you're selling porcelain dolls or you're doing seasonings and rubs or you're in the keto space, you're going to have the drama. But I tell people, don't listen to the noise. Stay in your lane and focus on what you're doing. If you have a mission statement for your company and you know what you're going to do, stay on that direction. It will pay off. Um also putting up quality content, right? I think a lot of people I've seen over the years, people posting five, six, seven, eight times a day. That's not, that's not good. Um, in my opinion, put out one quality post every couple of days or every three days. That's mm-hmm. going to mean more and let it sit, let it marinate on your page. Because if you're putting up eight things a day, it's just going to get lost in the feed. Um, so that's another thing. And I think, collaborations this is just from a social media standpoint i'm talking about now mm-hmm. collaborating like we're doing right now or getting with another person that's in a different space um doing a giveaway with someone that's in a different space i mean i actually have followers in the whole 30 world and in the oh, what's the other one paleo community right so doing collaborations with them I don't only work with grillers and barbecue people i have shannon over at Fitzlow cooker queen who is incredible she can do anything in the slow cooker. <laughs> this woman's just amazing. Mm-hmm. So you have to collaborate and not be selfish in your growth, in your business journey. It's not all about you. That's huge. I think everything you've just said is huge, man. Like I, I hear you say it and it's like, I can tell that you're, you know, living what you're saying. Cause I mean, like when I reached out to you, I think I reached out to you on Instagram DM and it was just like, in a moment you you responded back you hit me up like hey let's 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 do a collaboration i'll send you some seasoning let me know what you think i'm like yeah man i'll get you on the podcast and and people take that kind of communication for granted this right here is like a classic example as to why i respond to every single dm maybe not as fast as i should but i respond to every single dm i also try and repost everything that people tag the keto brick in it's like the more i mean any success i see any success you see we owe to our community or to our community. So anything that we can do to pay it forward is key. I mean, your keto brick, the first time I saw it, I think Danny Vega was using it. Mm-hmm. Danny was here in Tampa and I was like, oh, keto brick, cool. Then I was like, oh, okay, keto savage makes keto brick. But then I noticed I went, went to your page, you repost a lot of your followers that use your product. And why wouldn't you, right? They took the time to take money out of their pockets to purchase a product that you love and you created. And then they're going to share that with their friends and family as well. Mm -hmm. So the least you can do. (laughs) 
<laughs> is repost a picture of using your product. 100%, man. 100%. People, I don't know, it's weird. They have like this flawed idea of, of how they should run business. And they, they want everything to be so concise and perfect and regimented. And it's like they don't give time to the, the people themselves that are buying the product. And it's like, that's so backwards. You know, like the reason you even have a You and I would be people. nothing. Caribbean yeah. would be nothing. Keto Brick would be nothing without the people that spend their money on our products. 100%. And you have to show love to the people. I know all the time and I hear it from my friends. They're like, you know, I use this product or that product. They never like my page. They never comment. They never repost. You always look out for us and show us love. And I'm like, it ain't fake love. Yeah. I love y'all. Y'all seriously are taking your time to use my product. And as quickly as we got to a great space with the company, that can go the opposite way tomorrow. 100%, man. It's, uh, it's interesting. How do you think you, I mean, I feel like, if you've built a business and you're starting to see some success, just simply knowing where that's coming from is, is pretty much the, the, the tipping point reason as to why you pay it for with your community. But from like a deeper psychological perspective, what makes you feel like you are so good at recognizing that and then acting upon that? Cause I feel like that's not the norm out there. It's not the norm. I will say that. Um, and this could go like into a whole psychotherapy session right now. <laughs> But I will talk about the psychology behind social. And it's something that those who know me really well know that it's something that can be, it can be looked at as good or bad. No one gets on social media if they don't want to be seen. Because we all have that friend who doesn't have an Instagram account, who doesn't have a Facebook account, and he or she are just fine without him, right? The other people that get on social media, they obviously want to be there to be seen for whatever their passion, their hobby, their loves may be. And they'd like to be acknowledged for it. Who doesn't want to be liked, air quote, or loved on for what they do? Um, I feel that the psychology behind social is such that when you show love, you get love. And when you like or comment and engage, genuinely engage. I've seen people engage that's like, you know, you have your five or ten top 10 phrases great pick bro give me a rack of those ribs bro <laughs> like you know the same awesome i'll take two of those or man you're shredded like you know when it's fake and you know when it's in really engaging and the fact of the matter is we have a thing called team caribbean a bunch of culinary partners and it's not just barbecuers or smokers or grillers it's anyone to me that embodies just that whole noble um, genuine passion for whatever it is they do. And we like to acknowledge them as being part of our culinary team. And, you know, they get discount codes for their followers to use and they can show love back to their followers or they can get on the referral, the affiliate program. But, um, I just feel that if you are a person out there, I look at it as if, okay, if I wasn't Kurt Caribbean owner and I was just Kurt out here cooking, and I'm using keto brick and Robert never even acknowledges me once. Why am I going to keep buying the keto brick? Well, I may keep buying it because it's good, mm -hmm. but I'm buying it. I'm like, God, he won't even acknowledge me. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paying it forward is huge, man. It, it takes, I mean, it takes time to sit down and go through all your DMs and respond back to people and, oh, Lord, yes. and whatnot. It takes time. But at the same time, it's like, that is like, like you said, that's the least you can do. Like I, that's why I never want to, you know, not respond back to my emails or my DMs or my comments. Like 
I would be nothing without that. So I, I take pride mm-hmm. in being able to do that. Like I am so completely just overflow. I mean, I, I don't know what I've ever done to deserve the kind of appreciation and support that I've received, but it's like, it's my mission in life now to keep paying it forward, add more value than I take because that's what and I feel about. And I do that. I have this thing that I call, and Matt's going to laugh when he hears this, but I call it education and elevation. Last summer, I had this thing where I just felt like we needed to go back to basics. Like, mm-hmm. cooking got so detailed and so over the top, and the pictures were getting so crazy, that last summer I went back to basics. So I did a series of videos on how to spatchcock a chicken, how to make pulled pork, how to do ribs. Because what we tend to forget is, Yes, the people that follow you know how to cook, know the process, know what they're doing, but there's another million people or whatever than that number may be that are being quiet, that are watching, that don't know what a spatchcock chicken is. They don't know what baby back ribs from pork ribs are. They don't know what pork tenderloin from a pork butt is. So we need to take the time as brands and be responsible to educate those people that are looking at us and elevate them by reposting and showing love to them. And that's what we started doing last summer just with the video series. And then I went back to basics on three rubs. I did a chicken rub, a pork rub. Oh, there was going to be a third one, so I didn't put that one out. So that people knew you can use this on chicken. Don't worry about it. Use this on pork, kind of like your animals. Keep it basic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, yeah, we owe that. We owe that to people that take the time out for us. 100%, man. I feel like I need to do the same thing within the keto space. Like I, like my audience knows, you know, what the keto diet is and what measuring your ketones are, et cetera, et cetera. But there's like so many people that are just now getting into the space that don't, you know, and there's a lot of bad information out there. So I think you're absolutely right in brands that are established have a foundation. Yeah. That go back to basics. Yep. And that's what we are going to keep doing. I just really feel that. And I get the DMS. I get the DMS. Trust me. Um, some of the questions I get on my DMs are the the launching board for my next video because someone may DM me, okay, I have a pork tenderloin, but it keeps drying out. What am I doing wrong? And I'm like, well, you're probably cooking it too high or maybe that's, it's a thin cut. So that gives me ideas for video shoots. I'm already technically, and I think that's another thing, is you have to stay three to six months ahead. I'm already shooting videos on Thanksgiving, how to brine a turkey how to do your turkey, how to spatchcock a turkey, how to smoke a turkey. You know, there's a different, you have to stay ahead or you're going to get left behind. <laughs> I heard that somewhere one time. You get me seriously beat there. All the videos that I make, I make the day before I publish them. I'm not ahead at all. <laughs> oh, no, I put a calendar up. So like for me today, being Memorial Day is the beginning of, and I'm not going to say my busy season because a lot of my followers don't grill. But it's summertime, it's hot, people are going to be by the pools, out partying, be it at the lake house or at the beach or whatever. And this is my air quote busy season. Um, but today I chose not to do any kind of sale or anything like that and just honor our veterans that served and keep it chill today on Memorial Day. But um, like- in the past, I've done Memorial Day sales and I was convicted by one of my brothers <laughs> Enrique love the guy follow him on Texas barbecue beast on um Texas beast barbecue excuse me and he's a veteran and we were talking today and he's like no I just put up a thank you to all our military personnel and that's all it's about today and when he said that I was like you know you're right 
that is all it's about today. And I just chose not to put anything else up today and just kind of respect the day for what it is. That's huge, man. There's, there's so many people that, so many businesses that prey on the next sale or discount or et cetera, et cetera. The next holiday sale. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like. Just, and I'd rather wait tomorrow and do a summer starting sale, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to basics with the business too, man. That's key. I love it. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of work involved. And I have a lot of people hit me up. Hey, I've got this sauce or hey, I made this rub or hey, my cousin's got this blueberry whatever rub. And how did you do it? And the good person in me <laughs> would love to sit down and tell you my four year journey <laughs> mm-hmm. of how I built this company. But I kind of people need to kind of do the work, right? Like, get in there, figure it out. And then come back to me and say, hey, you know, I've got this much done. What do you think? There's no and I tend cut. to want to react to that more. Yeah, it's a, I don't know. I always try and view things through the lens of I will go way out of my way to help anybody if I see that they're trying to help themselves. You know, like people want something for nothing. And it's like you can you can spend your day helping them, but then they don't even apply that knowledge that you've just given them. But if you see that they're hustling on their own accord, then it's like, I want to just pour myself into you to save you some time, you know? Yes. I've talked to people that I was just talking to and telling them everything I know. And I'm like, all right, you got all that? No, I didn't write anything down, but I got it in my head. And I'm thinking, there's no way you got all that information without taking some notes. Like, Mm -hmm. because you're going to call me back tomorrow and say, hey, can you remind me again what you did for this or that? It's the quickest way to lose me. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. You got it. It's not that I don't want to help you, but you really got to help. Me. Yeah, it's it's a long game. You got to put in the work and not not expect any shortcuts because they're not going to come. I love hey, it. man, brother, what you just said about it being a long game is so crucial. Mm-hmm. I think too many people want to hit this and do it and be at 100,000 followers and grow exponentially in three weeks. I've been on Instagram for four and a half. Well, I have another page called Big Green Egg Life, which is just dedicated to Big Green Egg. But I've been on here total maybe five years. I'm only, and I'm not, I, I don't even count followers. I don't care about that number. But I'm at 66,000 followers, right? Mm-hmm. I have people that have been on for three months and they're frustrated that they haven't hit 5,000 yet. And I'm like, Bro, bro, I mean, I've been on Instagram before there was video, before there was DMs, before there was editing. You just had to take a picture with your phone and leave a caption. That was it. There was no syncing to Facebook or Twitter. So I think being an older Instagrammer, I appreciate the work you have to put in because there weren't all these tricks and gadgets and there was no social blade or any of this buying followers when I started. Yeah, the whole concept of buying followers is just like, don't even get me started. Yeah, yeah, me either, man. It's 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 really yeah. That's just like a pet peeve of mine. It's like, look, you have to. Well, I love it how they're like, no, I didn't buy anyone. So you have fifty five thousand followers, but each post gets a hundred likes. Okay, yeah. no, you didn't buy anyone. It's just honestly disrespectful to your to your audience. I mean, really, if that's what you want to break it down to, like, if you're willing to buy your audience, it's like. That speaks very little of the respect that you have for the people that have been with you because you're putting out value. Like if you're putting out value, people will find you. If you're not, you got to pay for them, and then it's not even value. Well, and I'm going to say this. I'll probably get in trouble, but hey, live on the edge. I think that a lot of people, a lot of brands, a lot of bigger companies, I consider myself a small business, but a lot of bigger companies are swayed by numbers, right? Mm -hmm. They're just sitting in an office 
a big building with glass windows and they're just looking at numbers and they're like, oh, well, if Joey has, you know, a million followers, he's going to sell our product. Let me tell you something. I've learned a big lesson this summer. The bigger the number of followers a person has, because I track stuff by codes, Mm -hmm. the less of an engagement, unfortunately, it's going to result in sales or in engagement because what I tend to enjoy now are micro-influencers, and those are the people between 3,000 and 10,000 followers, or 3,000 and even 7,000 followers, because I know that each one of those 3,000 followers are watching that page every single day. Mm -hmm. But when you get up to that 100,000 number, they're not even seeing you in their feed anymore. That's the thing, man. Like I look at at my following size, and I look at one of my, you know, quote-unquote competitors that has... 10 times my following size. And it's like, I could let that get under my skin, but I don't care because I put more value in my diehard loyal audience than I put in any bought and paid for following by any, any stretch of the imagination. Stay in your lane. Never look to the left or to the right. Just stay in your lane and look forward because repeatedly doing that consistently, staying loyal to what you're doing, loving on your fans, thanking them. That's what's going to pay off in the long run. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. 100%, man. Could not agree more. Listen, brother, I am going to check the temperature on my ribs. I know you got something going on right now. Perfect. Perfect. And I'm going to go get my skirt steak out. Yeah, yeah, you do that. I can't wait to try your stuff when it comes in. I'll definitely show you some love when I get a get a chance to try it on something. Um, so, again, man, thanks thanks for taking time to jump on this podcast with me. I appreciate the way you run your business. I appreciate the message you're sharing. So just keep killing it, man. I appreciate you and what you're doing, and um, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. R- real quick, where can people go to find out you grab some seasoning themselves? Yeah, so they can go to www, and I'll spell it really slowly, um, dot C-A-R-I-B-E-Q-U-E dot com. Um, they can also go to Facebook, Pinterest. We have a big following on Pinterest. Um, I'm on Twitter and where else am I on? YouTube. So yeah, caribbeq.com. Um, for your followers, we'll do a code, give it, call it rubs 10. So they can get 10% off any orders. Awesome. And, um, yeah, we just, uh, we're out there. Just type in caribbeq. I'm sure you'll find us. We're also on Amazon and eBay, but. Curbicue.com, the main site, is where whenever we have any sales, any discount codes, they can need to subscribe to the newsletter because we put out recipes once a week as well. So not only do we make the product, we put out ways for you to use it. Love it. Um, so thank you once again. I just can't thank you enough for having me on, Robert, and you enjoy your Memorial Day in those ribs. Likewise, Kurt. Have a good man. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you, brother. Take care. God bless. Take care, man. Bye.